Good to be here this morning. Amen? (laughs) Yes, it is good to be here. Uh, I invited a gentleman that I've befriended who works here at Rocky. Um, I saw him here. I was here quite late last night. And after 10, he came to fix something in the back end. I said, I said, Robert, you should come to church tomorrow and, and come visit us here. And, and he said to me, you were just on vacation, right? And I said, yeah. He says, well, that service is going to be really long. I think I'll come on another week, he says. Uh, but I, I promised this morning to not keep you longer than I ought to be. Uh, I want you to notice the intentionality of a cross that is put here, of course. There is a cross in the sanctuary and there's a cross in many a Christian church. It is the defining symbol of what Christ has done for us as a church and it is the symbol from which all of life flows for us as Christians. And so as we begin a series over the next few weeks of talking about what God would have us do, it is important that we begin with what God has already done. Does that make sense? I mean, that's good, that, that, that's good already. I mean, you know, I, I should sit down right there and let that just sink in. All of Christian life is a response to what God has already done through Christ. Did you get that? Our spiritual practices, our spiritual expressions, our work, our evangelism, our ministry, our prayer, our fasting, all of the spiritual life is a response to what God has already done. For if it is not a response, then it comes a means by which many seek to save themselves. I want you to hear from the outset that Skyview Community Church is a church of response to the enormous grace of God as revealed through the cross. We do not seek to earn His love. We do not do ministry so that God would be appeased with us. The subliminal message of our church is not that we are underperforming. The message of Skyview Community Church is that God through Jesus Christ has made us His own. And all we ought to do is respond with tremendous gratitude to what has already been done for us. To which God's people say, Amen. When you come here on a Sunday morning for corporate worship, you come because you recognize that God has made you His own. God has called you a daughter, a son of the living God, and He has done so at great price. All of our faith as response to the complete and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. The Apostle Paul writing to a church experiencing turmoil both internally and in culture. He writes these words, starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. 
Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. There's a word that I was introduced to quite a number of years ago, but again resurfaced in my own vocabulary just recently. I I picked up a book by an author named Michael J. Gorman, and the book is about the spirituality of the Apostle Paul uh, in relation to the cross. I know that's a lot, but he uses a word to define the Apostle Paul's spirituality, and he simply uses a word that he constructed. I'm I'm not sure actually if he is the original uh, thinker or, or creator of the word, but the word he uses is the word cruciformity. So I went on uh, Google, as most well-meaning researchers do these days, and I I typed in the word cruciformity. And I found out that the word cruciformity surfaces not only in theological circles, not only in, in, in Christian talk, but the word cruciformity actually refers to anything that has the impression of a cross. So, for example, in DNA, there is a cruciform way of identifying some DNA. In the medical world, there is things that are shaped by the cross or a cross image, and so it's considered to be cruciform. But when Michael Gorman speaks about cruciformity in the scriptures as it relates to the Apostle Paul, he is saying something profound and very important for us today. He is saying that the Apostle Paul's life was shaped by the cross of Christ. He is saying that the cross of Christ so deeply impressed upon Paul that you could see it in everything in his life. That his life was literally pressured by the cross in such a way that he conformed himself to the very way in which Christ lived. You see, as a church, we can be shaped by many things. We can be shaped by culture. We can be shaped by great ideas and leadership strategy. We can be shaped by fear. We can be shaped by uh, the desire to be a good church. But according to the Apostle Paul and Scripture this morning, the Christian community ought to be shaped by the message of the cross of Christ. It is the defining symbol, not only in terms of worship, but it is the defining symbol by which we are saved. To be a cross-shaped people is the beginning point for any conversation about what we ought to do. It is the starting point for us as a community of faith as we consider the direction that God is leading us to. Paul knew that the Corinthian Christians, for example, were straying from this core message of the cross. He knew this because in the Corinthian church there was divisiveness. There was striving. There was power plays. People were trying to use wisdom as a means of gaining status and prestige. The message that they were allowing to filter into their communal life was a message that took them away from what the Apostle Paul considered to be the central message of the Christian church, that of the cross of Christ, that of the crucified Savior. The message of God through the cross, Paul says, is the message that needs to anchor again this community that has lost its way. I believe wholeheartedly, as I set up what I want to say next, That God wants the church 
as he did for Paul and Corinth and Ephesus and Rome and every New Testament church since then to be a church defined by the sacrificial symbol and work of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. Let me say it to you in the words of one of my very wise professors who said to me, if we do not understand that on the cross, Jesus Christ made possible everything that we need for life as Christians, then we will spend most of our Christianity trying to do that which God already has done. Let let me say it to you this way. Do you know how Corinthians begins? In verse 4, this is the church known for sexual immorality, by the way. It's the church known for idol worship. It's the church known for getting drunk on communion wine. It's the church known for for buying into all kinds of Gnostic ways of believing, thinking that by wisdom alone they could be their own saviors. You know what the Apostle Paul calls them in verse 4? He calls them saints. That ought to be shocking. I mean, that, that, that ought to confuse some of us. For, for who in their right mind would call what they know to be of this Christian community a bunch of saints? Except Paul knew this. That cross, a definitive work of God, is a work that changes everything, including sinful human beings. Are you still with me? Yeah, this made an awful lot of sense in my office, by the way. I mean, when, when I was preaching this into the mirror, I was like, this is good stuff, you know? They're going to be blessed. This cross so shaped the apostle's life that he literally suffered and felt that in his suffering he was being drawn closer to being like Jesus. In fact, the apostle Paul would put it this way. He says, he says I do not only want to know Christ in some kind of superficial way. I want to know him in the power of his res- resurrection and to share in the fellowship of his suffering. You know what the apostle Paul is saying? I want to know Jesus in the way in which God has chosen to make himself known to me. You see, a church that is shaped by the cross is a church that has a theology of suffering. It's a church of people, filled with people, who are not surprised when life doesn't work out the way we want, even though we're good. It is a church that is robust in its faith, that understands, for the sake of being a Christian, there is a cost. It is a church that understands that when the symbol of the cross defines our lives and our identity, that we have a deep hope that in the end, life will win. God's plan will be done. He has not abandoned creation. Instead, he has said, I have definitively spoken to darkness and I've said that I have power over you. Now, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. And so I, I'm not going to try to be pretentious and, 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 and suggest to you that you just need to kind of get over it and deal with it. But I'm going to say this to you, that when our lives is anchored in the message of the cross, we look at life and what we hope for it in a very different way. We live as people with a, a purpose and a hope amidst some of the hardest and the most challenging circumstances of life. I believe this is why they stopped persecuting some Christians in the early centuries, because apparently they died so joyfully that their word and their witness 
upset the social order. And so they started to exile them, thinking that if we don't kill them, maybe we can stop the message. But this cross-shaped life is a life that defined the life of the Apostle Paul. And so this morning, I, as, as I speak about our community and, and the vision, this is my starting point. I, I want us to understand and grasp theologically. This is not semantic. I want us to understand that everything we ought to be, uh, be about as a church is not something we just kind of grab out of culture and, and create some ideas based on how, how, you know, our abilities, our strengths, or the perceived needs that we have. All of our Christian life and the future of our church comes as a response of what God has done through Jesus Christ. We respond as people who are incredibly grace-filled, incredibly thankful that God has forgiven us. Now, I know it's not resonating with us as yet, so let me try it in a different way. The clock is working back there. Good. We have about an hour and 15 minutes. We're good to go. This morning, I believe that the text teaches us what the message of the cross is how we ought to respond to it, and then finally, how this message shapes our lives. So what is the message of the cross? In Paul's response to the Corinthians, he tells them that the cross of Christ means two specific things. He says the cross means power of God to save, and it means the wisdom of God. Now, to any person familiar with the Corinthian church and their context, these two issues are ones the community are dealing with. The search for power, the demand for power, the desire for power, and wisdom as a means to actual salvation. Wisdom as a way to actually gaining status and control over their lives and over the lives of others. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in the text that this message is a stumbling block for the Jew and the Greek. You know, to the Jew, which Paul was, by the way, as well as a Roman citizen, the cross of Christ... This message was a stumbling block precisely because the Jewish expectation of a Messiah was of a king on a throne, not a fellow Jew on a cross. This is why they chose Barabbas and why they preferred Caesar over a Messiah. In their Torah, they considered those who were crucified to be cursed of God in Deuteronomy. If Christ was the Messiah, he just did not fit into the Jewish understanding of who God is and what Scripture says. And you know how we know this to be true? Because the Apostle Paul himself was one of the strongest persecutors of the Christian church, believing not only were they heretical, but they were a threat to the true religion of their day. To the Jew, the cross is a stumbling block because it went against any perspectives they may have had of what power is and what a Messiah would look like. But equally, the cross as power in a Hellenistic and Roman-occupied world made very little sense. It was considered foolishness that a king would die in such a demeaning way. It was considered weakness, not strength. And death was considered to be final. It took an entire century. I don't know if you know this, but it took an entire century for the cross to become the symbol of the Christian faith for a reason. 
You see, we have 2,000 years of being removed from that incident. And we have 2,000 years of being shaped to be told that this cross is very pristine and clean and means what it does today. But then it represented utter failure. In fact, foolishness translated madness. This message to the Jew was a stumbling block into the Greek. It was foolishness. And the Apostle Paul, in a dramatic way, says that this message is exactly that which they think it is not. He says it is power and it is wisdom. You, you know, uh, I, I, I hope I can, I, I can help us to, to get there and understand exactly what the Apostle Paul is driving at. But you see, Paul knew the message of the cross to be powerful and God's wisdom, not through his reading, Not through his discussions with the philosophers of his day. He came to know the power of the cross when he was apprehended by Jesus Christ. You remember the story. On his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. In fact, the the scriptures teach us that Paul held the coats of those who picked up stones and threw it at Stephen and killed him. We know that Paul was so intent on putting a stop to this heresy, that on his way to Damascus, Jesus Christ apprehends him. And in that moment, Paul experiences the true and living, resurrected Christ from the cross, and his life is changed forever. May I put it to you in a different way. The message of the cross is not powerful because of our response to it. It is powerful because in and through the work of Christ, God has said, I have given Satan the final notice. I have said that he no longer has power and control in this world. And that through that very power, I am able to save absolutely anyone. At least, and thanks for the smile, Megan, that that made me feel okay. Do you realize that the power that Paul came to know is a power that he experienced that transformed his very life? Listen, uh, I, know, I know you're not excited yet, so, so let me try this. Because that's my, that's my purpose in preaching, to get you excited. And then to open the doors and just let you go, right? That's, does that sound right, Daniel? Here's why we don't get excited about that. Because you know what the Paul did? Well, we know what Paul, Paul in his, his theology and his writings reveals time upon time. That he had a very, very, very sensitive and deep understanding of the power of sin. You know how we know the cross is powerful? Is that here in this room, including myself... If we were to be completely honest, we would say this. I have tried to be all that I think God wants me to be, and yet I find myself falling short. You know what our culture does, right? Our culture says there's no sin, right? You go to school, you're smart people, Right? Our culture says there's no such thing as absolute truth. And hence, they can, you know, every decision is just up to you. Just decide whatever makes you feel happy, Brenda. Whatever, makes, whatever works for you, 
is fine and whatever works for me, except that what works for you interrupts with what works for me, then we have a problem. You, you know what culture has done? Culture has desensitized us to the fact that sin, according to the Apostle Paul, is death. You know what the human predicament is? The human predicament is, and this is the gospel hope, the human predicament is this, that we are powerless to save ourselves. You know what the cross says? The cross is, remove all functional ways of religion that you think is going to make yourself better. Listen, spiritual disciplines and prayer life and tithing and coming to church and being a good Christian and signing up and becoming a member, all of those things do not save you. You know, you don't have to be Christian to have the same perspective that you can be saved by your works. For many non-believing people try to save themselves as they invest themselves in success, in ability, in wealth. But you know what the cross says? The cross says if you are to be... A Christian shaped by the cross, you acknowledge first and foremost that you have no power to save yourself. The reason why the cross is a stumbling block is because it says you're never as strong as you think. You cannot overcome sin in your own strength. You will fail miserably. But by the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ am I saved. It is because of the finished work of Jesus that I can share in his victory. For without him I am nothing. You know what the Apostle Paul says? I consider it all rubbish and we all know that the word in the original text was so much stronger but I love saying it it's my rebellious teen self saying it is all rubbish compared to knowing this Jesus who has made me his own and said I know that you can't in your own strength make it and so my strength is yours you know how powerful the cross is only when you have tried in your own strength to save yourself. You know, uh, the, the, the community of faith, the church ought to be the most honest community, but it's hard, right? Let's be honest. I don't want a lot of you to know that I have a, a secret addiction to X Factor and reality TV. I get blessed. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I, I watch those shows, and I, I'm living the backstory with those people. I'm just like, oh, that's awesome, you know. And yeah. I, I, I'm trying to be funny, and it's working on about 60% of it. But do you realize the power of the cross? Here's why the cross is beautiful. The cross is beautiful because if that message shapes me, then... Then, then I can't puff myself up. I can't look at other people who don't believe what I believe. And, and I can't be judgmental of others because I recognize that, that I really am not the reason that I'm Christian. I, I don't have the power to live this life but for what Jesus has done. You know, this cross is powerful to transform the way that we love. It is powerful to transform the way that we can let go of judgment and, and self-centeredness. Uh, this cross has power to liberate us precisely because it says that there is no other way that you can be saved. I realize that you are powerless, but as the Apostle Paul found out when he cried out to God, that in his weakness God was his strength. I know that deep in your hearts right now, you're saying hallelujah. <laughs> you are thanking Jesus. Listen, you know what worship service is? Worship service is where we just go, we just go crazy saying thank you for the cross. 
Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us what we don't deserve. Here's the problem. The problem is we, 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 we slip in. I'm speaking myself. We slip into this posture where we go, I'm doing well. I deserve. I deserve. I deserve. No, I never deserve. I'm always graciously coming before him and saying, thank you. That you know me so well and yet you chose to give me your grace. Thank you that your grace at work within me is the power that I need to live the kind of life that only you have destined me to live. Thank you that Christianity is not self-help. Stu, just give us something functional to help us get our life better. There's people who can do that a lot better than I can. The church is not a place where we, we try and fix your life. That, Alana, I, I'm treading on thin ice with hot skates. This community of faith, I want you to hear it. This community of faith does not exist for any other reason but to invite all who recognize their weakness that there is a God who loves them and who saves them. Our vision for life, our vision for a church is to be the kinds of people that are shaped by the cross of Christ to which all God's people ought to bow their knees and thank Him. You know, the reason the cross is a stumbling block for many is that its message tells us that we are powerless to save ourselves. But most of us do not want to give up control. You know, uh, I thought about this a little bit, and I thought, now, now why is it? Is it still on? Uh, why is it that I try to kind of take the reins away, and I try to kind of forget what God has already called me and made me through Jesus Christ? I think it is because there are so very few, if any, examples of my life of such unconditional grace and love. And so uh, I, I stretched myself. I started to think. I started to think. You know, of moments in my life where I was completely liberated and felt most free. You know, when those moments were moments where I understood that I had done wrong, whether by my kids or by my wife. Don't judge me. And moments in which they offered me, in simple ways, in human ways, forgiveness. And I think, uh, you know, I, I'm always grappling. I'm always trying to find a way to understand this God of the Bible. And I think that the most liberating experience for me in my Christian walk is to see that there is this God who does not hold a record of wrong, but in, in fact takes sin very seriously. Because some of us, when we talk about grace, get very nervous. You know, Pastor, you've got to make sure people know what's right and wrong. Wrong as a way of letting us know. It's wrong. It brings brokenness. It brings a, a sense of loss. It brings destruction to our lives. It, 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 it brings less than what God wants for us. And so we start to, to, to live this, this, this life that is not where He wants us to be. And, and yet, 
All along, he's offered us everything. Let, let, let me go on. The, the message of the cross, therefore, is the power of God. It is his wisdom, contrary to the wisdom of the age. That, you know, when we, let, let me clarify this, because some of us will leave here and say, we're, we're not supposed to be wise. We're not supposed to be thinking people. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying anything, including wisdom that we think, becomes the means of salvation, is idolatry, and that the true wisdom of God is spoken through the cross of Jesus Christ. Know him. So how do we respond to the message? The message is God's salvation, his wisdom, his power to save anyone. We respond according to verse 21. If you have your Bibles, it says, For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who... Anybody reading along with me? Believe. Do you know how we respond to the message of the cross? Our response to the message of the cross is to have faith, to believe that what God says and does and what he has done in the cross is true. The response of the Christian, and maybe you are not a Christian today, but your response too can be that I believe that through Jesus Christ and his self-giving act on the cross that I can become and be that which God wants me to be and be in a personal relationship with him. You know, I'm taking a course at Ambrose and the president there. Uh, I, 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 I make notes. Uh, you know, there's nothing to let you know that you're old now when you get into a class and you're the only one writing. You know, I think all other students just take in information by osmosis. I, I, I have to write it down, you know, but they, they, they're typing away and they, they write. But, but, you know, I sat in his class, uh, this is past week, and, and, and he, he, he made a comment that really stuck with me. He, he, says, he, he said this, he says, you know, I, I think that sometimes the subliminal message that we get out there to our people, and I, I sat there very convicted and asked the Lord if this is true, is that once again... When we don't recognize the grace that God gives us through the cross, we tell our people that they are just not good enough. They should try harder. Be more. Instead of inviting us in faith to believe that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Let me ask you a question. What does your Christian life feel like? If you were to describe it with one word, would the word be peace? Would it be gratitude? Would it be work? Would it be responsibility? Would it be more? Would it be dissatisfaction? What would describe your Christian life? In fact, I am so convinced that when the message shapes a life, we, 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 we as a people of God become incredibly grateful people. We respond in faith to believe. Listen, it's hard to have faith in this message. This is why the Apostle Paul says, the Greeks think we're, we're all nuts and the Jews reject it. Because in our culture, anything that's too good to be true is probably not. But not so with the cross. It is truly good news. L- l- listen, l- l- let me go to my last point. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to feed you right after. You're going to feed me after. It's going to be fine. You'll make it. Not only are we taught what the message is and how do we respond to the message by faith. 
but the message shapes us in a very particular way. Have you ever noticed, if you've read the epistles, if you've read Paul's life, have you ever noticed how many times he gives thanks? Now, now, when we read it, it's formulaic, right? So, so, you know, I thank the Lord God for you. Let's get over that and we get to the meat, the meat of Pauline theology, right? But you know that in almost every epistle attributed to him, and in those which we are not 100% sure, that repeatedly he gives thanks, and he does it this way. He gives thanks always for God in Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because his life was shaped by the cross, and he knew that nothing of his life was so other than God has made all things possible. You know, what would it mean for us as a community of faith to be shaped by the cross? I think it would mean this. I think that uh, our worship services, let's use that as an example, would be a place in which we come to not only remind ourselves that grace is given to us. You know, when we receive the Lord's Supper, for example, you know, you know, when we come and we receive the Supper, we are again receiving that which we don't deserve. And I think this is what will happen when the cross really shapes Skyview Community Church. We will be a people that does not say things like this. I wish the church was more. Amen. I wish we had more. But instead, we will be a church so incredibly filled with gratitude that when we worship, they'll hear us at Brentwood Baptist. I, I love the people there, but I'd be great for them to hear us. What would it mean, not only in worship, but for your life to define, be defined by thanksgiving? What would it mean for our perspectives, where Stephen and Rich, of mission to come out of a, a deep understanding of the finished work of Christ? What does it mean for our children's ministry to operate from the perspective that the cross truly means we are His? I think it changes everything. Don't you? You see, gratitude for what God has done is a gratitude that reveals humility and hope. I uh, want to close with this last thought. And as you have heard, in many ways, we are trying to live out and live into a vision here at Skyview. You've heard some of the things we're talking about and thinking through, and this is an ongoing process, and over the next few weeks you will hear maybe a little bit more definitively from me as pertaining to that. But let me... Let me put it to you this way. I'm convinced that churches who do not live out of what God has done are churches that become frantic and often responsive as opposed to responsive to the culture as opposed to churches who live by intention. What I mean is this. We will not allow the course of our future to be defined by what others are doing. In fact, can I, can I go as far as to say this? We will not allow our church to be defined by our perspectives or even our needs. But we will respond to what God has done 
And we will learn to love as ones that belong to him. And let him lead and let him guide. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I know that in many ways, we all have these functional things in our life that we lean upon to save us. For some of us, the, that desire to save ourselves is to find real worth and meaning and, and purpose. And, and yet, there is this incredible gift of the cross that, that over centuries maybe has lost its power of meaning to us. But the cross says today to Skyview Community Church that you are my children. I've bought you back at great price. The word of the cross is, is that I love you in sacrificial ways deeply and powerfully, that I recognize that your sin has power over your life, and therefore I come through my son's sacrificial gift, and I liberate you. I set you free. You can't do it on your own. You can't live this life in your own strength. But for the power of the cross of Christ. Oh, how deep a need it is in, in the heart of your church today to fall before you and to say, I have for too long tried to save myself. I have for too long tried to win your approval. Maybe, Lord, some of us need to just realize today that the only response that is needed is to believe the message to be true. God so loved, so loved that he gave. I pray that we would be a church that is shaped by this good message of the cross of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.